Once again, to Podding Ain't Easy. Yes, it's been another lengthy absence, but we are back. And today we're going to be covering She-Hulk, of all things. And I am your host today, Carl Pierce, and I am with the main man, the Madison to my Wongers. It's Scott McLeod, who doesn't have a Y. <laughs> oh. I have an E in my name, and it's not where you think. <laughs> let, you know, let you know how to spell McLeary, which most people don't. Most people think I'm the McLeary with the, with the E in it, but I'm not. You're not a Highlander, then. No, 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 no. I'm not a Highlander. <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> oh, yeah, God, we were talking about it before we, before we started recording, like, Maybe we shouldn't take these long episodes between episodes because weird things seem to happen. Like we were we lost our prime minister and then lost the queen, uh, and then we come back and then there's been another prime minister since we've been gone. Yeah, it's uh, never ending. Will it be like a, a proper apocalypse or something next next time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what what we mean to say is that the world needs. More pod ain't easy in the world. The people need Team Godfather. And just like podding, obviously being a prime minister isn't easy. Clearly not. Jesus. <laughs> I think She Hulk was like one episode a week for like nine weeks. So there were nine episodes. So I think She Hulk's run lasted longer than Liz Trust. So Jeff would be a better Prime Minister than Buddy Liz Trust. Yep. I think a fucking biscuit would have been, to be honest, mate. But uh, there we go. I think Madison and Wongers would be better leaders of this country. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think we were... I think it's best that we're doing this. I know we'd usually do this episode by episode, but... You know, it's one of those shows I think it's easy enough to cover in one episode because you know they didn't they made they made sure not to take it sell too seriously. It wasn't an overly complicated kind of plot running through the series. Yeah, I mean, you could go episode by episode and uh, p- programs or series that we we think deserve it but uh yeah this one is definitely one that we can uh just sort of do a whole season review it's kind of like would you say it's perhaps marvel's attempt at a sitcom perhaps i'd say so because i think a lot of people thought that was one division with all the little things with a lot more to one division than people probably thought going into it whereas i think Whatever you assumed She-Hulk was going to be, I think you were probably more likely to be right because there were some fun cameos in it, and there was the fourth wall breaking and everything. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people would talk about how 
we've all been kind of divided on some of the things in phase four, and I think it's a case of this is kind of just trying new things in this phase and you know, throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And we thought, well, let's have, we can't have Deadpool just yet, but let's uh, let's try someone else who can break the fourth wall. Yeah, it's. Um... I, th- I think overall it's been quite a fun series. Uh, there was a few episodes that I wasn't too keen on, but um, well, overall there's some decent, as you say, decent ideas, decent cameos, and they're only sort of, suppose if you um, take out the credits, probably about 25-minute runtime on average. So, you know, a nice breezy watch. Yeah. Like sometimes there were episodes where I thought like they could have went a bit longer, and then there are episodes that I didn't think needed to be as long as they as they were. So you know, it just varies with these shows. I don't know if it needed to be nine episodes. I think you could have done six or seven potentially. But I think like Miss Marvel, who's obviously going to be in that the Marvels film. I don't know what the plan is next for for She Hulk. I think no. They've started doing this whole tactic of like we're not planning for multiple series to do it just to just these sometimes these shows are just an introduction to this character so we can flush them out in later movies. Yeah, quite quite possibly. I don't know if a, a She Hulk movie on its own would work, but yeah, I can definitely see it popping up in you know in ensemble casts and, and what have you. Yeah, I don't think she'll pop up again until there's like a large kind of like team-based film that comes out like later on in Phase Five. But I think this was a fun enough like introduction to her. Uh, I don't know what you feel like getting to see. I know there are some people who are a bit funny about it going into it, but the CG for her as she you know, getting to see it because she has to play just to be in she form for quite a lot of the series, like more than you probably expect her to. Uh, so I don't know what you felt. How you felt it kind of they build off? I don't think it was too bad to be to be honest. Um, especially um, sort of television standards. I think we've got quite spoiled over you know in recent years, and we've got quite you know high standards for CGI and how things should work, but. Yeah, maybe it could have been a bit better, but I've seen far, far worse. You know, it didn't. It wasn't bad enough that it put me off watching or, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely seen worse examples of CGI on like TV shows that have definitely probably have a lower budget than you know whatever Marvel and Disney are putting into a show like this. So, you know, I think the first two episodes I was a bit iffy on it, especially in scenes where like she is looking down the camera as she Hulk and you're looking directly at it. But I think it's a case of like the more she spent time with She-Hulk in the series, and the more I think my eyes got like accustomed to it, and so it doesn't really bother me in the end. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would say this. I would say the same. The, the, the more you watch, the more you sort of get used to her appearance, and it just becomes sort of normal. To be fair, I think they did take. It took them a while to get a decent looking like regular Hulk, like even I think a couple of empty Mark Ruffle playing the mm. character. But he gets like the professor that we've got now, so you know, I think it may be the same case with She Hulk, yeah, yeah, definitely. The first two Hulk films, the CGI and the Hulks, weren't, weren't overly tremendous. I mean, where was Lou Ferengo when you needed him? <laughs> you, 
it's weird that Louis Wright is one of the few people you might think would cameo, but didn't, given that he did cameo in the, the other two Hulk films. Yeah, well, perhaps we thought he'd done enough by that point, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, so it starts off pretty, you know, pretty well. They don't spend too much time rushing into like the origin story. It's like five, maybe ten minutes of screen time when she's travelling with her cousin Bruce, and um, like some sort of spaceship comes, doesn't it, and distracts distracts Bruce while he's driving. They have a, they have a crash, and they both get badly cut, and there's. Uh, she's trying to help him. Uh, blood gets his blood in her cut, and it mixes, and hence she becomes She-Hulk. Yeah, I think it was a case of like, I think Marvel Age a few years back tried to say that they weren't going to do origin stories anymore, but I think recent projects have shown they've kind of relaxed. And I think it's a case of we're not doing full origin stories, like dedicating whole films and that to it. So I think it's a case of like enough people know about She-Hulk, like, and those who don't know, like, it's like female Hulk, so there's not much to really wrap your head around, so it's a case of let's just get this out of the way as soon as possible. And, well, I think it was the best thing. I do like the fact that, uh, I do like this interesting way that they did it in the comics, I believe, like, she's, she's, she's handling a law case to do with a mafia, people in the mafia, and then they put a hit on her, and then Bruce has to give her her blood, his blood. That's how she gets in the comics, which I think they do reference it because, like, those scenes after she goes to and she's in the public eye where reporters are asking her all these dumb questions, and one of them shouts, "Is it true you got your powers from a mafia hit gone wrong?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do actually strangely recall that. I, I don't know if there was a, there might have been an old cartoon back in my day. I, re- I remember, I remember seeing something about She Hulk. Way back in the day, anyway. I'm sure there was a cartoon or something. Yeah, we're, going, we're going back, you know, 25, 30 years here. I remember there being a, a cartoon and She Hulk being in it. So but I think uh, this may, what makes more sense about being an accident, kind of like the blood getting into her because she got cut during the, during the crash and. I think, given everything we've seen about this, the Mark Ruffalo version of Bruce, he wouldn't willingly try and give her his blood, knowing how how much Gamma is involved in it. Mm. No, probably not. I think this was a sensible way of going about it. And as you said before, they got it out of the way nice and quickly. I think one of the troubles with origin stories, I think films spend a bit too much time telling them when we as fans we just want to see the superhero in action you know <laughs> I would say probably 90% of people going to watch these things know how they become the uh, the superhero yeah well, even think... people who don't really read comics or are into them probably know you know the main ones they probably know yeah so I like I like the strategy that Marvel's done like in the last few phases of like the abridged version of the origin story like when we met Spider-Man we didn't have to go through the whole Uncle Ben thing like the whole, we didn't even get the with great power line until we sold movies into Yeah I mean they did the studio did say to be fair to them that we've, they've, we've done it twice already so we, we, don't, we don't need to go through all that again <laughs> Yeah which is what which I hope is the similar strategy they employed when they finally bring you the Fantastic Four like 
I don't want to see them going into space again. Just give me them as they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and try and get Doctor Doom right this time, if you can. <laughs> or maybe try someone else, because I'm sure there are other Fantastic Four villains. Mm. Any off the top of my head, because I think to the movies, primarily, all I can think of when I think of their villains is bloody Doctor Doom. I mean, I mean, Galactus is the other one, isn't he? That they tried to do in the sequel, the two thousand four, two thousand six sequel, whatever it was, and they made him like a big black swirly thing. <laughs> yeah, because uh, clearly, talk about budgets for CGI. Like, yeah, we're not even going to attempt to try and make him look somewhat accurate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they probably would have messed up the way that. Fox made Apocalypse look in that 2016 film. Yeah, they did. They, they, they did budge the Apocalypse up quite badly. But I do like that they also, that that accent does lead, does give them more time for episode one for it's primarily between Bruce and her and he's trying to show, teach her to be like him but we're noticing that in a lot of ways she's not entirely like him and so TJ basically thinks that she doesn't need to use it because she doesn't intend to be a hero. But I think there are, there are parts when you watch about it, like she's right in some senses, but she should actually listen to him a lot more because, you know, she, she's trying to solve a case at the end of the first episode and then immediately realizes, oh shit, well, someone's trying to break in here. I need to be Hulk. Yeah, it's quite funny. They've got good chemistry together, the two actors, and. Uh, they sort of bounce off each other quite well with the banter and yeah uh, you can sort of see um, Bruce getting a little bit frustrated and jealous because she's already really good at this and it it took him years and years to get to the point where he is now and she's uh, sort of almost straight off the bat and it helps when she transforms she's still Jen so she doesn't she's not fighting against uh, another alter ego like 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 Bruce is, so um, that's uh, another major difference uh, that sort of helps uh, uh, cope with the situation, I guess. And yeah, uh, like you say, though, you probably should just want to hear a bit. I think if you're naturally a good person and you have these powers, I think at some point you probably would be compelled to use them to, to help someone at, at some point if you knew your special powers could help somebody. And, you know, I don't think you'd be able to resist the urge. Yeah. And, like, we should try to point out, like, when you're like this, like, you know, when people see you as a monster, it never goes away because I think he's dealt with being alone for most of his mm. life, of, like, being with the Avengers and that because of not being able to control how he was. But Jen's seemingly got most of it under control. And just wants to get back to her. Like she had, does have people that she wants to get back to. Uh, and, you know, they do say some things that I'm sure they both immediately regret when they keep arguing. And then I do like the fight scene between the two of them when he's trying to stop her from leaving. Mm. It's good fun. But yeah, as well, I suppose, as you said, he's been on his own, so he's finally found someone a bit like him. So that's probably, you know, though, you know, something like that. A, a bit of, you know, I think, yeah, a bit of relief, but thank God that, you know, finally someone sort of understands a bit what I'm going through, and no wonder you'd want them to sort of, it's just a bit like when you find a fellow wrestling fan, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, very much. 
I do like that, like you said, when he realizes how different she is from him, he just grabs his binder when he realizes that she's still in control when she's, you know, when she changes, he just grabs a big handful of pages from his binder, like, well, we don't need all of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny when he puts her in that sort of container thing with the buzz source to see yeah. if she'll change. And she's like, so it's like, if I change, you'll die. And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my favourite uh, thing between them and that episode is like she's sleeping, it's close to her face, and then just the air horn slowly appears and it breaks. She changes that anger, the bed breaks. Like, you feel like an extreme amount of rage? No, a perfectly normal amount of rage. <laughs> Did you need to use the air horn for comedy value? Yeah. Let's see. You also get a wee insight into him and his relationship with Tony Stark. He's got that bar that he's built and mentions that, well, he built it and Tony mostly sat there drinking and complaining about Captain America. He's got an Iron Man helmet over and he's housing him, him and Tony's initial scratch into the bar. So, really, like, how he's reacting to you know, Tony you knows passing, we get a little hint into that. Yeah. Um, definitely. And then... Um... That, that pretty, but I think that, is that the first episode. It does. Does the courtroom thing happen in the first episode of the second when she's defending someone, and then that Titania busts in, and uh, a friend sort of convinces her to turn into She-Hulk to defend this Titania off. So, uh, but she gets uh, fired from her law firm job, which is a bit of a bugger. I do love to say, like, well, say that the jury was biased in your favour basically because you saved their life. <laughs> so it's either, you know, win the case and potentially let everyone die or, you know, save everybody. And then she gets fired. But I love that when she's with Bruce, they're drinking as their Hulk for, and they say they, as Hulks, you know, they don't get drunk. You know, they metabolise alcohol, everything, but it's different when they're in human form. So she. When she's in the bar in the second episode, she's just throwing down drinks. And then when her boss wants to talk to her as Jen, the minute she changes, she's like hanging off the chair. She's nearly falling over, stumbling over words like, yep, yep, what, what? Yeah, and there's a, bit, there's a bit where she said, you didn't tell me about having um, monster-sized hangovers. And he says, I'll put it in the binder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and basically, she wants to, she wants to use this as like little as possible these abilities, but it's clear that people like she's famous as she also people want to know her as that, and like she gets hired for this new law firm, but they want it just so they can get the publicity of the fact they've hired She Hulk. Yeah, she's she's to head the new superhero division, which is not a bad gimmick actually. It sort of introduces us to. Um, a few sort of new sort of super entities and uh, we get some it's what brings us some of our uh, cameos and guest appearances as well one of the more notable ones uh, Tim Roth because of this case is to uh, defend um, Abomination I I can't remember his human name now it's escapes me Nick Blonsky Emil Emil Blonsky. That's it, Emil Blonsky. I, I, do look like, I think the character is maybe Russian in the comics, so I'm in the 2008 Hulk film, 
they've thrown a line born in Russia but raised in England because it's a case of we've hired Tim Ross and we're not confident he can pull off a Russian accent. So let's just say he's English. <laughs> otherwise, you've got Sean Connery in Red October situation. <laughs> Good thinking, but a lot, a lot actually do um, do that though. Like these wealthy Russians and that, if um, the kids are smart enough or they've got enough money, they'll they'll pay them to board. You know, pay them to board in uh, Oxford and Cambridge. So you can sort of get away with. Uh, that sort of thing, if need be. Yeah. I do like the idea, like, I think shows like this are showing that the MCU, the Avengers have been around for so long, so people, the normal people of this kind of universe are used to so many disasters, like their half the population disappeared for like five years. So like people with superpowers are just starting to become like normal people who need lawyers, or like even this Titania is referred to as super superhuman influencer. So she's an influencer who happens to have superpowers. Yeah, <laughs> she's quite a fun character, actually. To to be fair, but there's a nice little in joke when um, she Hulk realizes she's got to defend um, Emil Blonsky, even though she just tried to get out of it. So she phones her cousin to tell him, and he goes, "Oh, it's fine." So I was like a completely different person back when we fought, which which he was because he was Ed Norton. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. And I forgot how old bloody Tim Roth is because he wasn't exactly a young man when he played Abomination the first time. But and no offence to him. I know I, I just looked up there. He's 61 now is Tim Roth. But I, I remember watching him in, in episode two when he first shows up and he's selling. I'm just like, Jesus, I didn't realise you were that old. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was kind of uh, surprised at how old he is now as well. The time shows no mercy. <laughs> really, but... Yeah, I do love how uncaring her boss is. Like, you know, he tried to kill my cousin. Yeah, that's not a problem. He's he's still happy to have you represent him. Guarantee, <laughs> or what Bruce might think. And then I do love that he's talking going on about Denny Yoga. Now he's got these haikus that he's written, and then later Bruce went, "No, it's fine if you take the case." He sent me a letter a few years back, and a really nice haiku. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, he's sort of he's he's up for probation, but he's in a bit of trouble for escaping his prison. So she's got to sort of prove that that was all Wong's fault. Yeah, I do love it. She acknowledges also a lot of people were excited to see Wong when he was shown in the trailers. It's like the two weeks that he's here, she's done to kind of like, yes, I know you're excited to see Wong, and so <laughs> yeah. like, she's like, yeah, no, how crazy is that Wong's back? It's, the show's got Twitter armor for one more week. <laughs> I don't know about you. Like again, this might not go down as one of my favorite uh, MCU kind of like TV shows, but I still like found stuff to enjoy about it. But I definitely don't think it, it deserves the some of the hate that it's been getting. I think you know, also they would have found this months in advance. I think they do a good job of how some, they show some people reacting to She-Hulk in the in the context of the show. I think they were basically predicting how some people were probably going to react to the the show in general, regardless of what actually happened in it. Yeah, it, as I said at the start, I had a fun breezy show, and uh, I don't think it was a. I've watched far worse. Let's let's put it that way. Far far worse. Yes, <laughs> it's it's not even the worst thing that Marvel's done in Phase Four. 
that honour goes to the Eternals. <laughs> Great film. Don't know what you're on about. <laughs> There's one thing you like about the Eternals, and it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I like the main scene. I think I think a lot of people pick it is the scene where she, where this, her former colleague is catfished by a, a shapeshifter. And he's thinking, <laughs> like, that's quite funny, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's going with that Megan the Stallion, uh, and then there's a scene where. Oh she, yeah, yeah, no, you, I know what you get in that. Yeah, and like Tatiana Maslany, who plays, she obviously said that, like that was written in for her because the the, career, the show creators knew how much of a fan she was of of Megan, and it's like, like the Dutch didn't tell me to the day before, and the the reason was if we told you too far in advance you'd freak out about it <laughs> <laughs> and like, if, you think, if you think there's nothing to enjoy about that scene try and find the video online that shows not her as she-hulk but shows Tati Amasani in the weird motion capture suit doing that dance which looks a lot funnier than the version that's on TV <laughs> and, and the thing is as well I mean everybody at some point has worked with a twat like I forget his name now that that guy yeah. who got fooled, you know, that guy who thinks he's dated all the hot girls and thinks he's tough and everything, and, and thinks he's all that when he's really just a little piece of sh- annoying shit that nobody can stand. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's working with him. And if you don't know anybody like that at work, then it's probably you. Yeah, it's probably you. <laughs> I just thought. Entity, like the people show it's like our best friend Nikki, I think it's really fun. Like they're back and forth, and one of the secondary characters from uh, when she gets a new job is the character he's simply known as Pug. I think it's his nickname. Mm. And I remember looking at the actor plays, and I'm like, I know you from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I kept thinking that. I haven't been able to decipher where I know him from. Perhaps you can help me out on this. Friends of you voice this show as well. I was watching like, who are you? Like, I think you may be this person. I looked up. I knew him because he was an Arrow. He was the villain in season five. Oh, yes. Um, was it yeah. Prometheus or something? He called yeah. himself. Yeah. That's how I know him. Yeah, I remember. I remember that now. Yeah, because that's. I think that was the last season of Arrow. I watched all the way through, if I, if I remember correctly. He was one of the last good villains that show had. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because he was like an assistant D. Was he assistant DA or? Or something, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah, I couldn't remember. Now, as soon as you said it, yeah, it's... It was a fun kind of situation because he was called Adrian Chase, which is in the comics, the name of the character Vigilante, who they introduce. And there's a fight between Vigilante and Prometheus, and then Prometheus takes off his mask, and it's him when you'd basically been led to believe he was Vigilante. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. So I, I was convinced he was Vigilante at one point as well. Like the character Vigilante also appears in that pacemaker, and in that he's also referred to as Adrian. So they kind of they, they swerved you, bro. It was quite, yeah, it was quite a clever season. Probably the last really good one they did, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I watched an interview with him, uh, the actor Josh Sariga, who plays Pug. Uh, he was on Rene Piquet's podcast a while back, and he's a massive wrestling fan as well. He he was like he accompanied Stephen Amell to the ring for his match at All In. He's the video version of it, you can see he's got wrestling memorabilia behind him in his wee setup. So, you know, just like us, um, he's a bloody mark. He's a, he's a good bloke, Sam. Yeah. 
Because I was about to say I wasn't the ma- the biggest fan of his character. That, 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 that I didn't didn't like him, but I wouldn't have said he was my favourite character on that. But now he's gone up in my estimation because of because of that. And and don't get me started on um, She Hulk's best friend because we're we're, we're going to be getting into Salma Hayek territory. So just to what just to warn you. No, no, let's let's let's, let's just avoid that. Very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were mentioning it. Let's 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 talk about Wong. <laughs> yes, Wong, and perhaps the introduction of one of the greatest characters in Marvel history, Madison with a Y, but it's not what you think. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, because I remember like yeah, she she meets Wong because of, there's a magician called Donnie Blaze who's been using the sling rings that they've that the magicians use and she ends up uh, with Wong like well he, he sent me some dimension I met this demon I think his name was Jake <laughs> and I made a pact with a demon that I can't talk about yeah I think and she uh, as she keeps accidentally spoils shows um, for Wong. Wong as well and <laughs> they end up watching TV and stuff together it's quite hilarious but yeah basically this Johnny Blaze is, his act sucks so because he trained with the what do I don't know Wong and what they call them um, for a while he's got he has some semblance of their powers so he's been using it for his act which Wong doesn't like so he, he's trying to file a cease and desist order against him basically yeah, basically. Uh, well, he, he shows that he doesn't have an actual understanding of real law. And mm. uh, ah, I see you want to erase everyone's you want to erase everyone's memories. Very messy. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's not go down that road again. <laughs> I do love the yeah, because like when he meets Madison, he's sitting there in cameratage watching Sopranos. And then she just showed up and goes, Oh, is this the one where Tony kills Christopher? And he's like, You just spoiled that for me. Like, oh, it was so sad. <laughs> There's a bit when they, they meet in court again. It's, Oh, we should hang out and watch Tally. And he's like, No, no, well, we can talk Sopranos again. Oh, okay then, but don't spoil anything this time. <laughs> yeah, I was done it after he killed off this character. He's like, For God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once she gets on the stand, like she's clearly pissed. So clearly, everything, anything she says, they shouldn't use. But she just hands it to the bill. Like you know, you can't come up with your drink. Like okay, you can finish that. <laughs> I mean, this this is uh this is a show we need. You know, a couple of that, you know, for three or four episode special season of Wongas and Madison. That, that's that's what we need. Yeah. That's what it should be called, Wongers. And basically, let's just make it the MCU version of Gogglebox, where we watch them watching. (laughs) Comment on it in character, because I'll be honest with you, it's probably better than the actual Gogglebox. (laughs) Yeah, I've never watched Gogglebox, so I I can't comment, but uh, it doesn't look like my type of show, I'll be honest. I don't know who they're talking about. I think they were talking about that show You, it's on Netflix, and it sets these two. This, this couple and one of them goes, well, you know, everyone likes a bad boy, don't they? Yeah, but not a fucking serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that would be, I'd love to see them getting their own show, but I also love Wong really admitting that, you know, 
he's back in my wheels and I, I chose him to be my opponent because I need a worthy opponent to my train to be Sorcerer Supreme and he chose to, to come back to his cell. He goes, I offered him Sanctuary at Camertage, which is very lovely this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> they sort of start questioning him about, um, you know, it's about sort of breaking them out and how that's pretty much illegal. <laughs> and he's like, uh, oh, look, I- I've got to get going. <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he does show that he, Emil does show that he's also able to change the evolution if he wanted to, but he's 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 making the point I choose not to. I'm completely in control. <laughs> I've not even mentioned the fact he's got seven soulmates as well. <laughs> yeah. oh, dusty bastard. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really I really like the addition of of Wong. In the, the series, I like that they tied back the the abomination appearance from uh, from Shang Chi, and yeah, I, I will start the petition now for Wongers in Madison to get their own their own show. I mean, if we can get a fucking I am Groot, which I haven't actually watched yet, then oh my, <laughs> it's uh, it, you know, it's money, Disney, it's money, absolute money. If you want to, if you want to kick it off, it'll kick it off like season and Quantumania or anything like that. You need you need a bit of longer, so that's why you kick off these five. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we do have a couple of episodes which I wasn't overly keen on. One, especially especially the wedding one, thought that was a bit sort of too, bit too sort of cliched, really. Yeah, wasn't wasn't nothing really of uh, no hap- happened on that apart from she met that that bloke that she ends up hooking with, up with, and then the episode after is the 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 nasty guy doesn't call me back episode. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where it fell too much into the syndrome mm. for me. Those episodes, I mean, it was a bit funny to see her in. Therapy with the mm, yeah that was quite cool with all those sort of crappy heroes <laughs> well all super villains and uh, yeah that porcupine <laughs> mom was quite funny you got a guy who's literally um, a vampire just sitting and amongst <laughs> the group which I thought was good uh, I did think the side plot now so maybe I think you only serve to you know just find out there was a secret like site where. People were talking shit and saying things about She-Hulk, but which again is uh, good for Twitter in this show. But you see, there's that character, the guy who's basically immortal. And every time he he's gets sick of a relationship, he basically kills himself. And now he's got nine ex-wives who are all wanting money off him. And the next husband, by the looks of it, as well. <laughs> I spent ten thousand pounds on a jazz funeral or something. <laughs> 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 and then he tries to get out of it when they're when they're questioning him by just trying to jump out the window. So. Yeah, I don't know if he's a character they're planning on doing something with, or if he was just introduced for this um, this episode. Because I don't really think he's got a lot of legs because he's got no other power other than he just can't die. So I, I, I wouldn't. Be too. I want to do something special to make me want to watch a a, a program with him in it. 
Yeah, I think also the answer I wasn't into Keenan was you know the whole thing with Titania. She was uh, from what uh, from people who know more about it than me say that she's one of like the main she's like a main villain for She-Hulk, and their main conflict after the courtroom was Titania's claims to have copyrighted the name She-Hulk and then takes and then takes She-Hulk to court for her. Which, you know, I think they, after the first few episodes, I think, like, okay, you're taking the whole legal, you know, law drama show here to a, to a weird extent here. Like, I'm not sure if I want to see the main hero main, win the main villains in fucking court together. <laughs> well, I quite enjoy good courtroom drama. I mean, not that this was that, but so I didn't mind the court things too much. And yeah, it's quite funny that even though the, the name She-Hulk was was coined for her that someone else copyrighted it before she could. <laughs> yeah. But you have to be careful with these things, people. I think it's good the way they break the fourth wall that Jen as the character who's aware it's a TV show, basically, I want this to be a legal drama and literally everybody watching and look seem like all the other characters in the show want it to be a superhero show. So really that's the main conflict between Jen and everyone else. Like, no, I just want to be a lawyer. Like, yeah, but you're also a superhero. Like, no, I don't want to do superhero things. I want to be. I want to do lawyer things. <laughs> <laughs> and I did feel quite bad for her when they when they had the episode previous where she was on all those dates, and the only time she gets successful matches is when she's she's makes a profile of She-Hulk, and then they get these this parade of guys coming up on the stand, basically admitting that they're really interested in her because of She-Hulk, and that that helps them win the case, which. I mean, we got a second cameo from David Otunga. Yep, yep. Greatest wrestling cameo of all time. He still he still doesn't have a great deal of charisma, bless him. <laughs> yeah. I mean he is uh, he did go to Harvard in real life. So at least that fits into him being on a legal kind of show. Uh, I do love him showing off when he's on his date with her, like, well, how much can you bench press? He's like, a literal ton, I'm a Hulk. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can do about, I can do about 600. I'm not even, I don't even have superpowers and he's, he's flexing. <laughs> what a catch. I <laughs> know. <laughs> but uh, I do like that they had the wee plot line of trying to find her some clothes that'll fit her and they find a designer who you know, basically make things for superheroes, and which I think, again, in that universe, you'd make a killing off of. Yeah, it'd be quite a lucrative business, I should imagine. Yeah, and I kept looking at the guy who they had, I can't remember the name of the character of this designer, but I looked at him like, why do you look like bloody Marseille for Maximum Male Models? He really does, doesn't he? <laughs> that's, that's the vibes I got off of every time I saw him. But uh, I think it's through that that we got our other big cameo, which it, it, t- it took him that long to get to him. Uh, I was like, I really don't think they should have even announced that he's in this show, because I think, given how late he got in, I think he mm. did shot episode eight, like, it would have been more of a surprise, because they teased him an episode or so before by teasing that he's one of his other clients, because he's got a box left out, and it's got the Daredevil you know, helmet in it. Yeah, it was. I was get. I was starting to get a bit like. So when does Daredevil show up in this? Because it's been so long since we we've seen him. Now I was like, yeah, I was looking forward to seeing um, Matt Murdock. And uh, yeah, it's quite it's quite fun how he gets introduced. So um, someone comes to um, 
gem with a with a case saying his super suit that the guy who make making her super suits and other outfits to fit her as she hulk uh it, it went wrong and it, it blew it it blew up on me and i want to sue him and for malpractice or, or whatever and she doesn't want to because she wants this dress he's supposed to be making making for him but ends up having to and um they, they go to court and matt murdoch shows up as um I'll call him Marseille now because I can't remember his character's name in the in the program to represent him. And uh, this is a case because he uses he used the wrong fuel. I mean, she should have done a due diligence there and uh, and made sure there wasn't anything stupid she could lose the case on. I did like that. Like I said, like I thought the legal drama went a bit too far. Like the midpoint of the season, but then we got. We got Jeff Rottles versus kind of Matt Murdock in a legal sense. These guys stripped in you know, the dramatic, oh, the surprise person has shown up in the courtroom. And then they're basically having the little back and forth. And she kind of just turns to the camera like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> but it's quite, a, it's quite a realistic and common thing, using the wrong field and stuff, because I used to sell um, still... Um, petrol power tools like chainsaws and stuff and the amount of people that would bring them back broken be- mostly because they hadn't put the right fuel mix in, in them so they'd, so they'd sort them up because they basically hadn't read the instructions properly or listened to the advice they were given yeah because you know sometimes you, you, you remember people are idiots exactly <laughs> very much and I do like that this then leads to them having a chat at the bar and then, you know, that leads to them and uh, recently, I did, I was not, one of the things I was not expecting from this show was that She-Hulk and Daredevil would end up shagging in the show. But yeah, yeah, I must admit, that, that came out of the blue a little bit. <laughs> I mean, he gets a bit of it because he was, he was, he had something with bloody Rosario Dawson's character in the first few episodes of that, of his Daredevil show. They teased something with him in car and then Electra shows up and now he's in the MCU and he's already at it with She-Hulk, you know. He gets about for a blind man. He certainly even the thought Daredevil top shagger. <laughs> <laughs> but... He can't he can't he can't see them, but he can certainly do other things. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I think we've got to talk about the suit a little bit as well. They've they've gone to the sort of they've gone to the classic golden uh red suit rather than the whole whole red one that he wore in the uh, Netflix series so perhaps that's Disney's plus way of putting their little their own little stamp on the character I think so because you know I did like when Netflix had him like they, they did the first most of the first series with that you know makeshift black suit they had mm. didn't want to be more fun and then led up to him getting the, the red suit which still in, in certain ways did look fairly different from you know how had its own little differences from the comic version. You know, it wasn't the weird accurate but weirdly leather uh, version that bloody Ben Affleck had worn in two thousand and three. So I think also the fact that you know this, this version of Daredevil things going to be in a more colourful setting than uh, the very dark show that he was involved in on Netflix. I think it's the idea like he's a more colourful version of Daredevil, which is why they went for the red and yellow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely shows a. Well, certainly in the She-Hulk shows a bit of humour. Again, they have some. They have some good banter as um, they're sort of trying to catch that frogman bloke, aren't they? And uh, trying to break into his house, and she goes, "Well, I can just break in because 
I'm a She-Hulk, but they have guns. Well, I'm impervious to bullets. <laughs> <laughs> so like, she's just wanting to go in there, but he's always got a, he's always got his plan. And I do like there is a bit of a fight before they realise who's who they actually are. And she kind of has them up on the ground and takes off the mask. And like they do have that little card. He's like, wait, are you even blind? <laughs> Yeah, it's some some good stuff. It's probably the one of the better episodes when we get um Daredevil in it and and whatnot. So what did you what did you make of the far, the the season finale? Because that that kind of went a bit meta. That really sort of broke the fourth wall, didn't it? Fucking bro, bro, Wally fucking demolished the fourth wall. <laughs> Just. Bits of ash left, and then they set them down, and then they blew that up. Left, there's no trace left on the fourth wall when they were done with it. <laughs> I didn't he's like, because I'll say there was the second last episode when we first got Daredevil, and then there he was like, Oh, there's still more to go, and like, Oh, the family's almost coming. And she kind of looks like, Is this where we get the surprise twist? Like, is there gonna be another hole? But she's red, <laughs> uh, and then you had the base of her getting exposed, and they caused her to. You know, go mental, and then as Bruce said, like people seeing you as a monster. Uh, I mean, I like the idea, like they're basically saying, like we we don't need they're playing off expectations. We don't need to be the same as every other superhero show. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. It's like, oh, she helped find all these people who were talking shit about her, and you know, did this legal shit and try to steal her blood. Oh, now they went in jail. Okay then. Uh, the the stuff with Kevin and so uh, uh was interesting. I'll say uh, it's quite funny. I like I like the fact that she, she you know she, she broke out of the broke out of the thing and you, you, you sort of see the Disney menu and then she breaks through that and then sort of goes into like another sort of program type of thing. That, that was quite that was quite fun. And the fact that she was like looking at the camera and saying, "Really, this is how we're going to end it? This this doesn't even make any sense." <laughs> I had a feeling something was going to happen because like Abomination shows up and then Bruce shows up. Like this is weird. And then that Titania, those the other characters keep showing up for no reason. I'm like, wait, what? Like, okay, something clearly something's going on here. She's going to like stop it, and then do like the when everything gets set back to normal. Daredevil shows up and feels to only realise that everything's done. He's like, oh, man. Because, you know, you never get to see a superhero showing up late for a fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, and she's like, she's in, like, the behind-the-scenes bed. She's like, I'm, I'm here to see Kevin. <laughs> yeah. And um, when she gets to him, Kevin, he's like, uh, he's like, an, he's like, like a, a robot type of thing. And um, there's some funny sort of dialogue when he says, "Right, you, we're, we're, we're running out of budget, so you, so you need to change back, but but off camera because the special effects team's on a different program now." <laughs> yeah, they already <laughs> something. Else. I think that also plays into the fact. I think Marvel's had some issues with some of their effects people or their editing people, like being forced to work all sorts of crappy hours for these like shows with like. It's all thing I've heard about. There's a bit of controversy surrounding that, but yeah, I like the idea. Like we had to do it off camera. Also, what's weird is she says she refers to she addresses somebody in a radio called Jessica, who's made reference the Jessica Gow. I think it's the name of the uh, the showrunner. But the woman she's talking to is the actual Jessica Gow, and weirdly, the actual Jessica is playing an und 
unnamed writer off to the side. He's like, I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like, oh, wait, we can't have Bruce Cameo. This is my show. He's taking a fall away from what's supposed to be my show. Yeah, but he, this is supposed to set up the next deal. But we're going to introduce this character. No, it doesn't matter. It's my show. Do it on your own time. And then they introduce this like, his son anyway. Which yeah. This is my son's scar. So that was a bit of a <laughs> weird, weird sort of way to go. So I don't know if he's going to be doing anything or not, or it was just, uh, just there for shits and giggles. Yeah. I think, you know, the keys they write that is like, uh, I usually usually play that off as that was just a joke or whatever, and it didn't actually happen. But you know, I think the whole has implications for like the idea of like doing Planet Hulk or World War Hulk is like in that and those storylines Hulk kind of son. Uh, but you you never know. And I do like the fact that you know Matt Murdock shows up and then they're, they seem to imply that she's now with him now. So one mind if that means that we see Jennifer Walters in Daredevil Born Again. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a possibility, maybe strictly as as Jen in in that. Perhaps it is more. I mean, if the Netflix ones anything to go by, Daredevil's more is a more darker toned program. So it'd be interesting if they do do that. But we shall see. I did, I did see this tweet here from Marvel. It's a Marvel updates you know, Twitter account. Which- uh, gives like news about Marvel and everything. Ben, it's saying here, Daredevil: Born Again will take roughly eleven months to film. Like I know there's eighty episodes, but geez, how cinematic are they going with these episodes? It's taking you almost a year to film the whole thing. Well, I'd say it's probably about right for doing that many episodes. But that that does that does worry me because um, I find thirteen enough to to sit through. To to be honest, so. I don't know. Eighteen sounds like too many, but but we'll see. Maybe they'll maybe they won't be an hour long. I think if you get eighteen one hour long episodes, that could be quite a slog to get through. As much as I do love Daredevil. Also, according to this Marvel update, John John Bernthal is scheduled to return as a Punisher for some point in Phase Five, which I'd estimate may be in Daredevil. If not that, it might be in I don't know Thunderbolts. That film that's going to come at the end of it and I don't I didn't see this before but uh, apparently Mobius from Loki is going to appear in Deadpool 3 alright that would be quite cool if that happened I'd be all for that yeah I mean I think that means that they can maybe explain the fact, the idea of Wolverine being alive and the idea of different this being a different version of Wolverine is either Wolverine or, Darede- or Deadpool being uh, being, being very Something like that. Maybe yeah. he's a time. Maybe he's a time variant Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mobius shows up. Hopefully, there's a scene where it's Deadpool and full costume, and Mobius just on a jet ski right at the end of Deadpool. <laughs> I'm telling you, one way or the other, Mobius has to get a jet ski. Because um, also, hasn't Harrison Ford been cast in something Marvel as well? I think there was rumours that they wanted him in something, but I don't think they ever officially announced that he was in anything. But also, like the showrunners of Loki had to specify that uh, Owen Wilson does not say wow at any point in the show because he's become quite a meme for that. If he, as soon as you, <laughs> up, you have to have Deadpool say wow, that's kind of a piss take. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Yeah, She-Hulk, who was 
it was okay. Some episodes were a bit, you know, I could you could have, you know, skipped entirely, but I don't, overall it was all right. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, if you were gonna give it a score at a ten, what what would you go with then, uh, Scott? I'd give it a seven, maybe. I might push to a seven and a half. I think uh, like some shows, uh, like Miss Marvel, I mentioned already. I think that's kind of better than this. I think the, I think Hawkeye uh, was better than this. Uh, so like, it's not the not my least favorite show. I, I think I'd maybe still put this above maybe Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think I enjoy this a bit more than that. So you know. I think for a first outing of She-Hulk and a first introduction to her, you know, I didn't mind it. Yeah, uh, I quite. Uh, I'd be along with that. I was thinking six and a half, seven. Uh, push. I'd it'd probably be closer to seven and a half if it wasn't for the crappy um, uh, wedding episode and the one after it. They sort of really sort of spoiled it and started to put me off the series a little bit. But then. Um, Daredevil making his appearance and that sort of reignited my enjoyment for it. So, uh, yeah, I would say, yes, perhaps a seven. So, uh, overall, so definitely worth catching if you're a fan of these sort of things. And, uh, yeah, and Scott, you wanted to sort of talk about some of the, well, two sort of trailers that have dropped um, kind of recently, the two of the new films are uh, a fourth come in. Yeah, just say one last thing about She Hulk. I might say, there's a, I love the scene in the second episode where she has the family dinner right after she's been fired. Uh, and you know, I like the interaction she has with her dad. I even put this there. I don't, I don't have many notes, I had a couple of bullet points. I just put this is her, Jen's dad is my second favorite MCU dad. <laughs> uh, curious Kamala Khan's dad from uh, from Miss Marvel was my favourite MCU dad. He was willing to go to his convention dressed as the Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> so ungrateful. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, I was going to talk about you know we got trailers for Wakanda Forever, which is actually out in a couple of weeks, and uh, which finishes Phase One. We also got a trailer for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Uh, which is the main start phase five, I think comes out in February or March time. Yeah, because I've seen so, so much about it already. I thought that was coming out sooner, actually. So I was quite surprised when I, I realised it's not until um, next year. But but there you are. That makes sense, though, being that's supposed to be the start of phase five. So. Mm. Apparently, I, I saw rumours today that Mordock's meant to be in it. I don't know how true they are. Yeah, I've seen people theorise that. I've seen that the main thing I've seen is that maybe they'll bring back the, the villain Yellow Jacket from uh, the first film we got kind of sucked into the quantum realm, and maybe all that time in there has made him kind of deformed him and made him into Mordock because Mordock's got a unique look. So you need to find a way to explain why somebody looks you no know, like him. Well, wasn't he like an alien from a different dimension or something, wasn't he, I think? Yeah. Yeah, I think... But it sounds like that's what this quantum realm's going to turn out to be or something, because there's comments in the trailer, like, it's not what you... You know, the quantum realm's not what you think. So maybe it is another sort of, you know, multiverse or something. 
Yeah, so in terms of the universe, it's much like Madison's Name of the Light. It's not where you think. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it seems like they get a, they make this device that can kind of allow them to travel, but then it gets them stuck there. And then that's how they come across this other variant of, of Kang. Uh, and I remember that we asked for Ant-Man's help, but you watch him like, hmm, I wonder if at any point in this film, he'll it turns out we can't trust this man. <laughs> nah, it's yeah. very like the, the the bits you see of him as well. It's his costume and helmet. It does look quite comic accurate, which is which is cool. They do seem to be going a bit more comic book accurate um, just lately, don't they? As um, early sort of superhero version sort of tried to steer away from from that to sort of be a bit more modern, I suppose. Yeah, I do like that they don't show him for much of the kind of give you hints of him, mm. but they watch him, which is comic book accurate, and then they show his face at the end when he's talking to to Scott. And uh, also, also, it's quite funny. I went to see Black Adam recently, and a trailer came up for the. Th- I didn't realize they were doing a third Creed movie, and Jonathan Majors, who plays Kang, is in it as like the kind of antagonist of the film. So I turned to my brother and went, "So basically, we've got Killmonger versus Kang here." There's <laughs> a variant where he's a boxer. Yeah, the most dangerous of all the variants. Uh, but yeah, I do like that. Obviously, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, obviously, would revealed to have been trapped for years in the quantum realm, was basically warning them of, like, of everything that all the dangers of the quantum realm. We've also got Bill Murray in a as yet revealed role. So. I'm sure Bob Murray will give this as much effort as he has. he's given most of his roles for the last five years. Well, hopefully a bit more than that, but uh, <laughs> we shall see. It certainly looks interesting anyway, so uh, something to look forward to. I wouldn't say Ant-Man's been, been my favourite set of films. They're watchable, but um, I wouldn't have said anything special, really. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I thought the first one was a decent kind of like solo film. Didn't really care for Ant Man and the Wasp, and I'm hoping this one does for like my opinion of my opinion of Ant Man that like Thor Ragnarok did for my mm. thoughts. Couldn't have given a shit about Thor, and then Ragnarok kind of made me kind of come around to him. Also, it helped that they had the whole Thor arc and Hen game as well. I think Man Scott Lang have been good in the ensemble ones like Civil War and um, Endgame, but standalone movies just haven't been as good as you know the other Marvel films. Yeah. Not terrible, but you know they're certainly missable. Yeah, but I think if Kang's a, a major role and it's kicking off the next phase, you think uh, they'll try and make this film one of the. Uh, one of the like more must-watch films, like one of the ones you need to see to get an idea of what's to come later on. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They must obviously look at the trailer. They must obviously sort of help each other to get out of the quantum realm or wherever it is they are. And obviously, then he must double cross, must double cross them whether they defeat that variant of Kang in the end, or he sort of get goes away to start. His plans on world domination or whatever he wants to do, I don't know. But I suppose that's where you go and watch the film to, to find these things out. 
Yeah, definitely. And I like they, they tease in Miss Marvel that Scott Lang now has a podcast and he's they show the trail. I think he's written a book as well. So, you know, more people know more things about like the Avengers now because of him. So I like the idea of them exploring that and Scott going on about his podcast at points in the film. <laughs> They could live podcast live as they get sucked into the quantum realm. Yeah. Yeah. Please try and convince the people of bloody the quantum realm to subscribe to his podcasts. Mm -hmm. That's what this realm's missing. It's missing a podcast. (laughs) But we also, like I said, had uh, the Wakanda Forever trailer. I think again they're they're doing a lot to hide a lot of the like they, I think they're showing you some of the key elements like you got Namor and the people from Atlantis as the clear villains. There's the show the show some fighting between them and uh, the people from Wakanda, but uh, they're they're trying. They, I think they they're doing like they're trying to give you a little bit, but not show too much because obviously a lot of this film had to be changed when Chadwick Boseman died, but. I think when the few shots they've showed of someone in the Black Panther suit, it's quite clear to tell who actually is under the suit. Yeah, they're trying to say, like, in the build of the film, you're going to be surprised who Black Panther is, but I heard it was supposed to be ages ago, so, and as you say, when you see the the person in the, the costume, it is quite obvious who it is, so I don't know they're trying to kid, unless that's all a mislead and someone else, Take ends up taking on the mantle in the end. Uh, I don't know, but uh, we shall see. And yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they in- introduced um, Nomar as well. That's that's going to be uh, an interest, an interesting one because he's kind of one that's been both uh, a villain and a hero in the comics, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he has been. I think he's kind of involved with the X Men. Well, he's technically a mutant, so. You know, that could lead to implications for the X-Men if he's in this uh, film. And you know, like you said, I think it's clearly a female under that suit. So like, there's two characters I can think of who could be taking the mantle. And it's definitely not the mum. Although I think <laughs> it would be you know, fucking hilarious. I would just, be, just see the mum just put on the suit, like just start fucking shit because she has that, that speech in the trailer. You know, I'm yeah. everything my family's got Rule of Wakanda and everything just are like, oh, I've had enough of the you, but they see people and she puts on this suit. <laughs> maybe, maybe, who knows? We've also got Ironheart in this film. Uh, oh, yes. Which I've heard some I've heard reports that the Ironheart TVCs will kind of almost be a direct follow up from this. So, like, she might not be get her final version of the suit, but I think we'll start to see the early versions of what her character is going to be and then something will happen to her which then ties into her TV show when it, when it may come out fall of next year so yeah that'd be interesting to see as well Ironheart so that's not that's, that's one of these um, lesser known heroes that I don't really know a lot about personally but I'd be, so I'm still intrigued to see um, how she's portrayed in, in the film so that'd be cool to see yeah yeah I'm interested I'm Going out with her own mind. Yeah, I'm wondering about this film. Is this going to be one of those when you hear people talking about like how much how emotional they got during the film? Because I'm sure, obviously, the the death of Jerry Bosom will probably be addressed at least a few times throughout this film. Yeah, uh, you'd you'd imagine so. It's um, 
It, it, it is sad, especially, you know, because he died so young of, uh, of cancer, which, you know, hardly anybody knew he was even suffering from until um, sort of announced he'd passed away. So, yeah. yeah. Like, you had the guys behind what I was saying that, you know, he was clearly very sick right, when he was filming, when he was recording his voice bits for that show, but he was still talking about IDs he had for the Chichella Star Lord version of like the character, and like even like the Ryan Coogler, the writer said the last that he was in the process of writing the script, and he phoned Chad Bosmas and like, do you want to see it or like before I pitched it to Marvel, and he said no. So apparently, according to him, Chad Bosman never even got to see the original script for Black Panther to. Hmm. Do you think? Do you think that was because he knew he wouldn't be around to film it? Perhaps. I think he. He must have had an idea that he didn't have long, uh, so he didn't want a regret, like not being able mm. to do. Want to be happy with what he had done. Yeah, that, that would sort of make sense. All right. Well, I want to watch Bake Off in a few moments, so uh, I'm ready to wrap this up. I don't know about you, Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we just talked about somebody sadly passing away, so that's always you always got to leave people, you know. Feel- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're doing. If you want something more upbeat, uh, I always see Black Adam the other week, as I said. You know, it's, it's got more humour than you'd expect from uh, your average DC film. The Rock's very good in it, as is Pierce Brosnan. You know, give it a watch. <laughs> there you go, there's something positive. Yeah, that's got some um, positive uh, reviews for it, so it uh, definitely sounds like it could be worth a watch, that one. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't go too far wrong with the Rock and Pierce Brosnan, to be fair. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to to wrap this up. You know, we've given our ratings what it feels like forever to go. <laughs> so, have you got anything that you want to plug, Carl? Uh, no, not at the moment. This, this is about the only podcast I'm currently doing at the minute. So, uh, yeah, just go back and check out. Other podcasts that we and Scott have recorded on the podding ain't easy. If you this is the first time you've listened to us, and check out all our other content at Rogue Opinions Football Pod with um, Reese, Nathan, and um, Liam. And I've done I've done one as well here and there with them. I sometimes jump in when someone isn't available. There's plenty of stuff on there that Scott's recorded as well. Um, yeah, tons of tons of stuff on the Rogue Opinions feed. Yeah, uh, I do. I've been doing a lot of stuff with Paul. Uh, there's just got involved around podcast, which has so to be done as part of Rogue Opinions, as well as me and Paul now being part of Rogue Retro Smackdown. We've got the the preloaded 2000 review is coming out this week. Uh, well, we're hoping. Open that is. Uh, I think it's actually <laughs> recorded. So don't want to get out to myself, but there's a lot of stuff with me and Paul you'll be hearing on these airways. Uh, if you like, if you like hearing my voice and want to hear more, you can go to Eat Sleep Still Play Retreat. There's a, a fun show we do over there called the Wrestling Mixtape, where we have a panel where everyone picks a match under a particular theme and we all talk about it. We recently did a Survivor Series style theme of it, which is a uh, pretty fun to do. Uh, and also here in Rogue Opinions, uh, some American wanker finally decided to show up again. So, it's <laughs> together. So I listened to that. Uh, and yeah, I also my show No Rogues Bar. Carl was a guest on it ages ago. But I know it's my little interview show I've got here. 
I have three potential, I have three future guests lined up. None of the episodes have been recorded yet, but I've got stuff in the pipeline. That's got the podcasting master. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm going to be doing a lot of talking over November and early December because, you know, me and Paul like to bulk record some stuff like so we can release stuff over Christmas. But now I've wrote Paul into doing a second show with me. I'm going to have to spend a lot more time than I feel comfortable with, with that man. And then <laughs> like, December, I've been bulk recording all these podcasts and, like, it's Christmas Day, I can't even speak anymore. It's amazing you even have time to work. <laughs> Literally, I got in from work 10, 15 minutes later. I'm on this podcast with you. That's fucking dedication. <laughs> He'll probably have his tea and then after podcast again, <laughs> go to bed, wake up, podcast, go to work, go back from work, podcast. <laughs> probably fall asleep as soon as I've had my dinner, if I'm honest. As soon as I get something in my stomach, I'll, I'll just be out. But this is why I've grown to hate editing because. I'll enjoy podcasting and everything and getting stuff done in advance, but I'm always knackered because I've been doing point recording and other things that are like, I've just have no energy to edit. If I could be honest, I'd pay someone to do it for me. Well, you know, maybe I can. Maybe I can, but you know, not not today because I'm, I'm finding someone to edit for you is not easy. <laughs> Perhaps you need to get a voice double, like a stunt double. Because <laughs> ah, all Scottish people sound alike to you, is that it? <laughs> that, that's where I was going with that, yeah. <laughs> you go watch your, your Baker programme, you horrible man. <laughs> <laughs> I looked in the mirror, I'm different I finally made a decision All the rejected They lost the lack of respect in themselves Cause people get hectic They hurt you and make you feel helpless They're not brave like you They're too scared to do Anything that's different Anything that's new I don't need lessons I do what I want, it's refreshing As soon as you taste independence You start living life in the present Hey there, how you been? I'm the voice in your head and I know you've been making When you find me, let me in I got power in my hands and it's yours for the taking